Dude, just wanted to call and say how fucking sick the episodes are. So sick. It's like my favorite thing to listen to now. Todd Ruffs. I feel like we're going to definitely top season one. From Super High Quality Productions, this is season two of the Super High Quality Podcast with the War on Drugs. Oh my gosh. Yes. Holy cow. That's beautiful. Holy shit. Wow. Dang. I'm Dominic East, and this is I Don't Live Here Anymore, part three. Just driving over to Sean's. Fucking crazy. What's going on here today? Just driving to Sean's. Got your uh, email. Hey, what's going on? Driving to Sean's. Well, for the better part of a year, I think every time I got a voicemail from Adam, he was on his way over to Sean's. And Sean is, of course, Sean Everett, a six-time Grammy winner and the co-producer with Adam of the new War on Drugs record, I Don't Live Here Anymore. So I thought maybe for this episode of the podcast, we could drive over to Sean's and check in with him. Hey, Sean, how are you? Hey, how's it going? Good. I love the lighting in your place. I oh, forgot. Oh, cool. It's very <laughs> blue today. It's very blue. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of, I have a lot of Sean thoughts, but it's hard to know where to start. He's a fascinating guy. I've never felt like anything I've tracked with Sean has felt impossible. He's always made anything like I've felt like I could whistle into a microphone and he would turn it into a piano. Like it just, yeah. and, and the ability to do that and to do it so quickly, like let you be so creative and just keep moving. But also like you can go as long as you want, I guess <laughs> and he's okay with that too. And I think both of those uh, things really make working with Sean continually uh, inspiring. Yeah, he's really inspiring. Do you ever get any resistance from Sean? No. No, not at all. No, Sean's like, he's always down, never pushes back. You know, he's always excited to like, reimagine something, go down a wormhole. I mean, this, uh, the amount of time we spent doing shit on songs that don't even have a chance of making the record. Like it's just, it's two albums worth of time. It's such a luxury working with Adam. Cause um, I mean, there's not many people on earth that are, are going to go down the rabbit holes. You know, that I, I love to go down and, and he, I mean, he, he, uh, he's so encouraging, you know, <laughs> about a rabbit hole. I, I mean, I take record making really seriously. When I'm in the studio, for the most part, my brain is is fixated on the art of record making. Making records is a conversation, you know, between the artist and, and whoever they're working with. 
a lot of other really great engineers probably would have walked away from this record. Probably, yeah. <laughs> no offense. <laughs> no, yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, but like when you read when you read about like you know whatever engineer biographies or like you know albums were like guys who were just like oh, I can't I can't work on this fucking record anymore. These these guys don't know what they're doing. Right. Rather than just being like, yeah, I'm all, I'm along for the ride. Let's let's go and see where this goes. How different do you think the album is that you delivered in April 2021 from the record that you would have delivered in like April 2020, maybe when it was like originally due or whatever? There wasn't really a point at that, you know, back then that I, in my heart, felt like it was done. <laughs> I mean, so um, I feel like I would have wrestled with that. I mean, if someone had all of a sudden said that it was due, I would have uh, been confused because I, I felt like it was definitely like pretty far away at that point. I guess, I mean, maybe it was a little bit pandemic related, but in my mind, I, I kind of always imagined that we'd still need probably amount of the, the amount of time that we ended up needing. Luckily, we got it. <laughs> it's not like some relentless pursuit of this sound I hear in my head. It's just like the way me and Sean are for these last two records, but more so this one, it's like, we just give the songs a ton of time to flow, you know? And we spend a lot of time working on stuff, but it's never like a race. Like, we'll work on I Don't Wanna Wait for five days at Sound City. And then we won't listen, to, we won't work on it for two months. You know, it's not like we feel the need to like, Oh, well, all it needs is the lead vocal and the high harmony. Let's just go bang it out. It's like we do all this shit on it and we don't even run a rough mix, you know? And then we just, you know, that was like September and then we didn't open it again until January. You know, it's like we just give the songs a lot of time to like, just to evolve, you know? I just started reading that Jeff Tweedy, his new book, and he says something, to, he, he said something in it it was like, a, you know, like a song is never done. You just choose to leave it at an interesting place. That's cool. Sean is unusually open to new ideas that I think dovetails really well, Adam, with the way you approach things. Both of your ears and minds are open to like happy accidents or just trying something unexpected and seeing what it sounds like. I mean, he's so playful too, I think is like the other thing that is really, that I really appreciate about him. Like I just, I, f I think that his playfulness and, it, and it's, you know, it's, it's a, um, it's connected to his kind of open-mindedness like we've been talking about. And it's like, you know, he's just, he's up for it. He's up, he's up for, he's up for anything. And, and any artistic decision, I am not resistant at all with anybody because I think that the the door should be open to, you know, play. You know, it's about play. And, like, if you're always tying people's hands behind their back, how is anyone supposed to kind of have an idea, you know? Oh, like, you you wrote it this way then. It better stay that way. Like, I mean, who am I to say that? Why? What do I know, you know? <laughs> what I love about Adam, I mean, even if I'm not exactly sure where he's going with something. I mean, I have such trust in, in his process 
that he, I mean, I would never be like, are you sure, dude? You know, even even like that, like if I was scared of a decision, I just have such faith in whatever road he's going down that, I mean, if he wants to do some kind of wild move like that, I will go down that road for sure. You know, no matter how much time it takes, I'm down. I'm ex- I'm excited by it. Everything we do at the studios, even if it gets scrapped, informs something else. At least for me, like, I feel like there's also like a pretty impressive balance of ego in which you have to have a big enough ego to be like, no, this could be better. We got to keep pushing. We got to keep going. But also to be totally open to be going to like be able to go along for the ride and not not be pissed when your part gets cut, you know. It can be just as satisfying if you did something and just like, oh, now that's not a part of that song, but it's a part of that song. It's in there. It's in it's there. In there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a great director. I mean... He gives people the time and um, space to be able to kind of do their thing. And then from there, he kind of is a great curator and he, he kind of kind of pulls out all the kind of all the kind of like gems out of outside of all of this stuff. And and I mean, he does that with me. You know, I give Sean a lot of power to just use the time, you know, if we're doing stuff on tape or we're just, you know, it's just whatever. It's like I know that the that we share the same goal, which is to make the song and the album as good as possible. Sometimes he'll give me like, you know, five or six things and, and, and I'll just kind of mix what, what he's given me, you know, at that time. And sometimes that involves like maybe muting a little slice of a guitar or something like that. And, um, it's not, I'm necessarily arranging, but it's, I, I feel like it's more just a kind of a mixing process. Um, what I, what I do. And, and, and so, that mixing process maybe is part of the conversation. So I'll send him something and then from there he'll listen to that. And like, maybe he'll take the session home and he'll mute a bunch of stuff that like had, you know, happened and then he'll derive something and like, he'll hear more of a part from something. He, he has people play and he, he just kind of paints and, and onto a, a, a song kind of over and over again, different layers. And he can hear through like a, a like a multitude of layers. And he seems to, to, to really pick up on what is the, the most important part of the, the melody in like a kind of a, a layer, a layers of, of, of sound. And then what, what I find he does in a really cool way is, is slowly over time is that he kind of extracts that part, those parts of the melody out, out of that kind of those washes of color. And as you work, you slowly start to hear all this kind of gold kind of rise to the surface. And then once that gold is kind of evident and it's clearly like rising to the top, he'll just kind of like give it more and more power and he'll build on it. Wow. 
The other thing I'll add about Sean, he's just so technically skilled. It frees you up to be really creative. You know, if you just have an idea, he's like, yeah, that sounds great. And like two seconds, you're into it. I surrender, baby. Yeah, I mean, it's like the classic, like, like an abstract painter. You can't really be an abstract painter unless you know the found, unless you can paint, like, figuratively. You know what I mean? And it's like, he's by far the best, just classic engineer I've ever, ever worked with. I mean, he's like so fast and just... So fast. <laughs> it's incredible. Technically, he knows the, he knows the rules, you know what I mean? I do have like a weird ability to be fast and wildly slow at the same time. <laughs> I can I can do some moves really quickly, but in the overall scheme of things, I'm I'm somehow very slow. <laughs> You'll read some engineers are like, hey man, music and recording music is just like setting up some mics in a room and you just like record the band and we just like catch we just catch the music and that's all we do. And it's like that's true. But Sean, I feel like, is at his best when he's, like, in this stage of, like, let's warp reality into art. I mean, he can set up mics and record a live band and make it sound incredible. But I feel like maybe he really shines because he's just such a technical wizard when it's like, all right, we have this, you know, these tracks, like, we can warp it in any direction that you want. I'm kind of obsessed with the idea of, of white noise because um, it's just kind of all frequencies happening at the same time. I always like to think that inside, when you hear white noise, that if you had the right ear, you'd have the ability to hear any song or any voice or any kind of like human interaction or any sound that has ever happened in the history of, of sound. You know, it, it all sits inside of that, that block of noise. Me and Sean, it's like, that's our joke. It's like just running stuff through stuff. You know, we just run stuff through stuff for two and a half years. And a lot of times within that thing, there's songs where I'm like, oh, the arrangement's a little weird. Or I haven't figured out how to sing it and feel like I'm singing it the right way. But all that stuff comes into focus eventually. Usually whenever Adam and I are together, we are making pretty great progress. But I mean... The, the the thing is is just the 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 way he makes albums it just kind of takes a certain amount of time and like it, it takes us it takes a certain process to do and that process is you know is not a speedy process i mean it's it's there's no way that you can really make the kind of albums that that he makes in a week there's just no way you know it's a process it's just like the way you cook something some dishes take a lot longer to cook and you can't cook them any other way, you know? Some sometimes you need to roast something for twenty four hours before it tastes the way it tastes. You know, you can't you can't you can't blast that in the microwave for five minutes and expect that it's gonna be the same way. That's just not how you cook those dishes. Every studio that we're in, we're getting a lot done, but it's just kind of it, it just kinda of all 
adds up to, um, you know, the time that you need. <laughs> I mean, I feel like the band is sort of like an abstract painter that arrives at a figurative place because at the, you know, it's the songs are like rendered incredibly abstractly with unfathomable techno realities going into some of these songs. <laughs> and then, and yet people hear like thinking of a place and it sounds like a live band or they hear, you know, a lot of these things end up sounding pretty figurative and pretty um, like a classic band in a room and it's like you have no idea <laughs> like how many plugins or or tape speeds or you know, whatever techno reality you want to use went into getting it there so it's weird it kind of goes through it feels like Adam's songs always go through this tunnel of like starting starting in a classic way being warped way out of shape warped 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 and then comes out the other side and like try to make it something more understandable like take it apart and like you look at the parts on the floor and you're like, all right, what the, what the hell is this? And you put it back together and, until it makes sense. Well, I remember when we went to, um, uh, what were we working on the last record and we, and we worked on pain for like, um, it felt like, um, felt like like months and months and months and all these like rides and snips and like little things and like edits and and it just felt like so complex by the end that I I didn't even know what was up anymore and like I I was like it was it just felt so evolved and like not even like it, not even like a a song that was possible to play and then I was I think it was at the Hollywood Bowl or something and then I went to go see. Uh, uh, when I went to go see them and I hadn't seen them play any of these songs live and I walked in and they were playing Pain and it sounded so perfect and I couldn't believe it like I felt like it felt like it, first of all it felt like it made all the work that I did seem like seem like I did nothing like I had just like like I had showed up one day and just plugged in some microphones and recorded them you know So, for instance, like a song like Living Proof, in my mind, I always knew what that song was. I mean, I always understood it. You know, when we started recording it, the day we recorded it was not that far away from what it sounds like when we ended it. I just understood what that song was going to be, you know, whereas as opposed to Harmonia's, I never knew, you know, it, it, it had so many different li lives, you know. I just had no understanding of where it was going to go. You know, I didn't, I couldn't see the end game. You know, I didn't know. It was just like an exploration, a really deep exploration. Even like a week before the album was finished, it was changing in a ways that I it was completely unexpected to me, you know? I was struggling with the ability to sing it because 
it wasn't until Pat had put his drums on that there was a groove that was like matching the way I was trying to sing it. So all of a sudden it snapped into focus. And I feel like from there, it was like a little easier to get that one wrapped up. Sometimes you work on those songs and then you never really finish them. You know, you're always kind of like, it's that weirdo that was like, my God, like I just, I never landed that plane. You know, I was like, I thought I was going to Edmonton. I ended up in Portugal, you know, it somehow kind of landed. And I was like, I couldn't believe it. You know, I put it on now and I've like, I just, I I so, I just enjoy the song so much. And, and I just, I don't even know how we got that one on the, on the tarmac. Yeah, I mean, that last session that Sean and I did right before we officially turned the record in was one of the most inspiring 10 hours in the studio I've ever had in my life. We had basically been sitting on the three or four rounds of mastering for a month. Um, I was living in Portland, Oregon for a few months by that point, and we were, we were talking on the phone a couple times a week, and I could just tell that neither of us were ready to fully give it up. I kept telling Adam, wouldn't it be cool if like we just, we, we got it right? Almost always where you're working on an album and it's taken away from you, you know? And they're like, it's done now and it's taken. And you're like, and you have lists and lists and lists of things that bother you, you know? Because I could see that we had more time than, 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 we we maybe initially had thought it was like maybe we can actually get this to a point where like we don't have that many misgivings about it. Sean had such a great ownership of this record and a great connection to it that you know I I respected that he wanted to go all the way. Yeah, I mean Adam and I years ago had somehow ended up at um this party of um Daniel and Waz house. He had had this uh, very like Hollywood like thing where there was like, it would be like a scene in a movie and you'd be like, that doesn't happen, you know? Um, and we were standing in there and in his kind of like studio house area, there was all these um, small Neve sidecars l- l- like in this huge like kind of semicircle. And um, they were all dedicated to different things. One of them was like an effects 
neve one of them was like out of like a drum neve and one of them was like set up as like a mastering neve and they and we'd asked this guy wayne who works for uh daniel and wall like what is what is this what is this one and, the, and they're like oh this is where we master the master and we were like what the hell is that and they, and after they would get the master back they would master the master and we were like that's so crazy and then i think that that had been on our minds for years maybe we had become just maybe such psychopaths about this album that i mean first of all i mean the, the mastering was world class round one i mean the the guys that master this record are geniuses and it was perfect but like when you work on an album for 4 years you are going to have these micro tweaks about everything because now you're hearing you know you're not in it no one is going to be in it as psychotically as you're going to be after you've been in the minutia like like lunatics for so long and so um in the like the the final hour i mean sometimes you have like these kind of tiny little tweaks like oh you know what if this one section just had like the tiniest bit of air in this one region or or whatever and i mean you could send all sorts of reams of of weird obscure ridiculous mastering notes that someone's going to kill you for you know but it's it's not like we were remastering it was more like we were adjusting the mixes a little bit based on the mastering that we were hearing. I flew down to LA. We mixed till four in the morning. We were opening up sessions and remixing songs, you know, making the acoustics and harmonies dream louder and then tweaking the saxes and the bridge and bringing the vocals down and then changing a couple lyrics and wasted and really furiously getting in there and it, it, it was like really cathartic I think for both of us you have all these like tiny little anxieties about something and it's like because you're so deep in it and may maybe that's a bad thing but like what you hear in the mastering just kind of makes you rethink little tiny th you know it's just it's just a conversation and, and I think that that's what we were kind of going through at the, la at the last minute having the opportunity to just get in there one more time and and make those little changes and just and just put one more little bit of polish on it. I mean, because traditionally you're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to, you know, you're, you're, you're like, now is when the album is mastered and you have no control over it at this point and it leaves and it goes right to the, the, the vinyl plant. Yeah, and it's like, that's cool, you know, but what if this was also a conversation? You know, like, what if we kept going? How obscene can we make this part of the process? Sitting together in that room, listening to the same speakers that we had basically made the whole record through and being able to be the last ones to put those touches on, I think gave us the finality, you know, you just need needing to be in the room together. I think it's one of my, you know, favorite creative partnerships in life, really. I mean, he's taught me so much that, I mean, it's just, uh, it's like a, a, a master class in, in uh, kind of construction. I'm so thankful to have made these two, two records with him. The Super High Quality Podcast is put together by me, Dominic East, with all sorts of help from Adam. Engineering help from Andrew Guerin. I'd like to thank the guys in the band. Adam Granovsky. Dave Hartley. Charlie Hall. Robbie Bennett. Anthony Lamarca. John Natchez. And this week's special guest, Sean Everett. Thanks also to Jack Hedges at Atlantic Records, 
as well as Caroline Klein and everyone else at Fort William Artist Management. The War on Drugs new album, I Don't Live Here Anymore, is out now on Atlantic Records and Tapes. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much.